Welcome to The Real Deal, where God, His purposes, and His people are celebrated. I'm Rachel Inouye, bringing you encouragement through real life, people, and their stories. It's The Real Deal. Hey, let's get started. I have my cousin Annie here with me in my Cludio, my closet <laughs> studio, and I am so delighted to have her because she was on season one. Mm-hmm. I think it aired in July, did we decide? Yeah, 2019. Yep, so season one, and it was prior to you going to BSSM in Redding, California, which we're going to talk about things that have happened over the last three years. Yep. But I, I'm going to give you the same normal ones that are rapid fire like everybody else. Okay. But I just want everybody to know that Annie is very, very dear to me. She is a warrior in the kingdom. She is prophetic. She has an ability to encourage others through the things that she tells them in the natural, but also what she sees in the spirit realm. She's a seer in that she can picture something, but give verbal or written prophetic words that hit home. They they literally are word pictures that make something like somebody's able to open a package of what is inside of them or what God's heart is for them. So I really, really appreciate that about you. And I think it's actually been on the increase because of your experience. So we can maybe talk about that a little bit. But I just honor you. Thank you for being my cousin and my friend and somebody who's warred for me and prayed with me. And we have laughed a lot, too. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) It's so fun to laugh. Anyway, would you just rapid fire, no right or wrong. Would you say your coffee tea? Ugh, tea. Dog, cat, either, neither? Dog. Morning bird or night owl? I'm a morning bird, even though I don't like to be. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Books or movies? A movie if I want to be entertained. Yeah. A book if I want to learn. Mm-hmm. And you do get books done so easily. You gobble them up. Okay. Yep. Silence or music? Music. Leaned back? Leaned in or laid back? <laughs> um, leaned in. Shower or bath? Shower. Driver or passenger? <laughs> I'm a driver. I still want to be a passenger. <laughs> and you have had to drive a lot. We can talk yes. about some of the driving. Yes. Would, oh my I added this one after the pandemic. Would you prefer to eat at home or dine out? Um, actually, eat at home. Okay. And introvert or extrovert? Introvert, which people totally disagree with. But that's how you charge. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know that this was the podcast called The Real Deal, and my dad Mm -hmm. was The Real Deal, and he was your uncle. Yeah. You know, so that's really cool. Um, But do you have a different person than Mm -hmm. maybe you first answered or somebody that recently has just become The Real Deal as an example to you of their authentically who they are and how did it affect you? You know, I think that... um, I remember when we did this podcast before, I said, I really don't have anybody in my life that's the real deal. Is that really your answer? I didn't really remember. Yeah, that was my answer okay. before. Kind of because I of- thought it was like, I didn't really have like a family member that I could look up to that was authentic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say family member. I mean, somebody's super <laughs> all the, close. All the family members are out there going, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know. But um, but on a day-to-day basis, maybe yeah. that is the truth. Yeah, I didn't have, like, a school teacher that stood out to me. I didn't have, you know, a boss that stood out to me, anything like that, that I really saw as being somebody that I could look up to and that was always authentic. And in some respects, being at Bethel, you know, obviously you've got Bill Johnson and Chris Valentin. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are the real deal. Mm-hmm. They are the same people that you see on stage versus off stage, um, you know, from that perspective. But as a leader, you only get to see them at a distance to a certain point. So it's like they're not in my life for as much as they have affected my life. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. But if I had to say any one person in my life that, here we go. It's okay. I'm it's a okay crier. Cry. You should cry. It's Noah. Oh, your son. My son. Um, 
You know, he calls me when things are really good. He calls me when things are really bad. He's not afraid to share the honest truth with me. And um, I just, I so respect and honor that in him. Mm -hmm. He is the true, he is a real deal. He really is. And I, I keep... I keep prophesying over him that he is a Switzerland. He is a neutral person because people will sit down and talk to him and like, well, this person did this or this person did that. Well, you need to remember this was the other side of what happened. And he always pulls people back to center. And it is so gifting. cool. It really is. And especially for somebody in his, I mean, he's 32, somebody at that age to be able to see that. Because so many kids, they, well, to me, they're kids because he's yeah, I know kid. what you mean. Yeah. But you want to be able to go out and talk to your friends and, and have somebody sure. that will validate what you're experiencing. And he... He will do that if that's the truth. Wow. But when it's not, well, now, wait, you got to stop and think, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So he's very, I just, I honor that in him so much um, because I don't, I don't see that a lot. So he has been a rock for me. And to go ahead and just <laughs> take this off on a limb, I remember in um, my second year of BSSM, we had a homework assignment that we needed to do. And, and we just needed... to find BSSM, oh, I totally okay. know what it is. Oh, yep. Some of my Sorry. audience really will. Yeah, but... it is Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Okay. So it is a ministry school through Bethel Church in Redding, California. Okay. And um, yeah, the supernatural part is really Holy Spirit based. Yeah. And we believe in signs and wonders and... The all same this, God of the Bible and the New Testament and Acts and all yeah, that. Okay, so absolutely. the second year in BSSM. So my second year, um, second year, the highlight is really on leadership. And so we had an assignment that we needed to do that we needed to send out an email to, I think there were five people. One was a family member, one was a friend, one was a leader, you know, different things. And just ask them to give feedback on who we are. And did I do one? I think I, I think did, I did have you do one because maybe it was two family members because my first thought was, well... You know, I mean, I was thinking immediate family and I'm like, well, Noah's all I've got. So I thought I could send something to him, but I just was picturing in my mind him going, oh, mom, really? Do I got to do this? And so I emailed it to him and then I thought, well, I'll talk to him tomorrow on the phone or whatever it was. And I'll explain more of what's going on because I sure. didn't feel like he checked his emails very often. Before I could even talk to him and ask him about it, he had already responded. And filled it out. And he filled it out. And I was so got by the things that he said. He's like, Mom, you are incredible. You have been there for me. You have always championed me. You have, you know, uh, told me to keep dreaming my dreams. And I mean, just all Beautiful. of the things that he said blew me away because he's not that kid. You know, Mother's Day, I'll get a text. Happy Mother's Day. Nothing on, you know, Facebook, nothing. Not that that matters, but it's just like sometimes you're like, okay, I don't hear that from him a lot, but when he filled that out, it made my year. It totally did. So, so it's just like he's... And you can refer back to it. It's yeah. what he said yeah. to somebody else about you. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Someone and he that gave was going to get turned in. feedback and he's like, you know, I know a lot of times you go by emotion and sometimes it would be nice to see you go with the logic more than emotion. And I'm like, no, really? <laughs> that is so me. It is so me. Are you a feeler? You know, just because of the word emotion. Okay. So people, you know, you're either a seer, a knower, a hearer, a feeler. Can I get them all? I think those are the ones. Yeah, but it's basically it, your you five have, senses. You you can have more ways yes. that you hear from God and yep. the Holy Spirit directs you. But if he mentioned that about emotions, do you feel like you're 
I never a thought feeler. I was a feeler because it's like if I walk into a room, do I feel the atmosphere of the room? Yeah. No. I don't think I do. But in being in school, it was like I can walk into like a sanctuary where people are practicing worship music and I'm like the hair stands up on my neck and I just feel the anointing and I feel the presence of God and all of this stuff. And it's like, it took me a while to go, oh, wait, I'm feeling that. That is actually not just an emotion that I'm okay. loving what I'm hearing. I'm actually feeling the it's atmosphere in the room. And so it's, um, I think I, I carried more than I thought I did in that area. Yeah. I still don't think it's my biggest strength. Um, I think it's growing, Yeah, but, um, yeah. So. Okay. Let me ask a different question just okay. to, just because I really am curious. Okay. So you go off to Reading, you leave Omaha, Nebraska, mm-hmm. you leave everything. You left yeah. your job, you packed up your apartment, you packed up your belongings yeah. and you left and you went through a metamorphosis of sorts. Yeah. And I'm not saying you were a caterpillar and God didn't use you before. I'm not saying that. Yep. But there has been a caterpillar Christmas oh butterfly gosh. experience yes. transformation wise. Mm-hmm. What stands out to you in, just what stands out to you in your own changing? Okay. And then maybe what stands out to you that you saw that you've always believed, but it was front row to you? I I don't know, but like the transformation, what's happened in you? I think one of the biggest things that I learned about me, and I don't know if everybody goes through this, but I have a feeling they do, and it's just... Maybe it was more recognizable to me because of my age. Um, if I was a 20-something, it probably wouldn't be nearly as apparent. But I think that um, there was one lady that I heard speak at one point, and then she encouraged people to go back to pictures of their childhood. She's like, who were you as a kid? Who were you before the world told you that you were somebody else or you can't do this or you can't do that, whether that was parents or school teachers or whatever? Or even before you hit hard knocks or storms. Yes, And so I think I thought back and I didn't have a lot of access to my photos because I do have a really, really small storage unit in Omaha that's got like all the family photos and things. But I had a few on my phone and I thought back because my parents, I know you know this, but um, my parents owned a music store Uh when I was little. And so I had pictures of me running around the music store and putting price tags on, you know, different items that were for sale or, you know, putting, you know, I was three years old and I was taking sales at the counter mm-hmm. and people would buy, you know, guitar picks, three for a dime quarter or and, and, dime and, a piece and, or three for a quarter, <laughs> 26 cents with tax. You know, I mean, I knew what I was doing. I loved that stuff. And my mom would be like, oh, Annie, just get out of the way. Wow. <laughs> and my dad would be like, Annie, would you go play in the street? <laughs> that was his biggest line to me. But I think that there were times when my parents tried to hold me back because I was underfoot. And it felt like I was in the way. And I get that. I was a very strong-willed child. But when I think back to it, it's like, but that's who I was. And it's a strength. And it is a strength. That's who I was before they told me it was a problem. It was actually a strength. And I think that so many people, what we do is we go through life having people put these layers on us that bury who we truly are down in our hearts and who he created us to be because he created us from the beginning of the earth or beginning of the world. And it's like when we were born, we're born without any limitations. Mm -hmm. And as we grow, the limitations that we have are the limitations that other people put on us Mm because otherwise our natural tendency is to go back to what we were made for. Yeah. And so, you know, in the mind, yeah. Like now all of a sudden we think 
limited thoughts. Mm -hmm. and so therefore, we will behave in limited ways. We yep. will run out our lives in that course of time in that way. Yeah. yeah. And so I thought it was really interesting that when um, in 2000, I started my own business and I made custom window treatments for interior designers. And I loved being a business owner. I loved, I mean, I was very self-motivated. I loved, you know, scheduling. Nobody has to tell um, Annie to get up and get started in the no. morning. That's, you just do it. <laughs> yeah, I I'm do. I'm to testify. <laughs> I do not hit a snooze button, which drives other people nuts, but it drives just go. me nuts when they do. So yeah. it's like, that's who I am. But, um, you know, I did what I did. I did it well. I enjoyed it. I loved working with clients. I was wholesale, so I didn't have to do the design aspect of it because it's like, I know what I like, but... I'm not here to tell you what you like. So, I mean, it, it just, it worked well and it was so easy for me. And I don't know why it was easy. And then it was so funny because my mentor this last year, so the third year of school is a mentorship. And my mentor um, actually looked at me one day and she goes, well, you have an anointing for entrepreneurial entrepreneurship. I was like, I do. She goes, Annie, it's so apparent. And I was like, I never thought of that as actually being an anointing on my mm. life. And it was like, Oh, okay. But I, th I can have an idea. I yeah. can create things. Yeah. I can make money doing it. Exactly. I can further something in my creativity. Yeah. And I know how to price things. I know how to figure out, is this price too high or is this price too low? It's like, there's such easy ways to do that. And mm. it's like, to me, it seems like if it's easy to me, it's like, other people don't get it. It's mm. like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. really? It, it's, it's not apparent to you? Mm. And it's like, those are things that's like, oh, that's actually what the Lord has put a call in my life for. And it's like, well, this is really interesting. I think when one doesn't know why that wouldn't be easy for somebody else, it really does point to a gifting. Yeah. Because then you think, well, doesn't everybody take this way? Or doesn't mm -hmm. everybody feel this way? Or doesn't everybody know this? Exactly. Or operate this way? Yeah. No, that's how you know. And I think that can be, I'm going to say, um, the reason why some people can't figure out their giftings, because it's just like you have a nose on your face. It's yeah. that plain. Yeah. But you wouldn't know. Right. Exactly. And so, so it, she asked you that. And did you start dreaming more or? Well, I think it was just like the, the, the bricks began to fall into place and it's like, oh, this makes so much more sense. And I think through this whole journey of the three years, the thing that I learned is I spent those three years demolishing the layers that all of these other people had put on me yep. and got back to, oh, this is why he created me. And I needed to go back to childhood to find that. And so I loved that aspect of it because it was like there was such a freedom in that going, well, that's why it felt so natural when I was three. And the other way that that came up was <laughs> in evangelizing. And I know we've had this conversation before because I used to always tell you, you know, if we're all a different part of the body, I am definitely not the mouth. <laughs> to which you would laugh and laugh and laugh. Really? Because you're like, oh, and you are definitely you the mouth. You use your mouth. Because <laughs> we could talk forever and never run out of anything to say. And it was like, but as a child, my heart was to tell all the neighbor kids about Jesus. And it's like, but oh, so there was a story. I don't know if I shared this on the podcast before or not. But when I was probably three years old, I was the only kid in the neighborhood who had a swing set. Mm. And so all the kids wanted to come to my house to swing on the swing set, which was basically only three kids, but, um, that were my age. So there was a brother and sister that lived next door and their names were Linda and Danny and they would always come over and, and so my, you know, entrepreneurial spirit was like, okay, well, if you want to swing on the swing set, 
this swing set belongs to me, therefore I'm the boss, and so I get to set the rules of what we're going to do. And I like to sing, so if you want to swing, we're going to sing. And <laughs> since I'm the boss, I get to say what songs we sing. Okay. And that's how they learned Jesus Loves Me and Jesus Loves the Little Children. Okay. Until the day that my mom had the kitchen window open and heard my entrepreneurial spirit and marched me over to the next door neighbor's house. And she didn't make me apologize, but she apologized to their mom for me being bossy to her kids. Mm. And that really confused me because I didn't understand what she was doing and why she was doing it. And when Linda and Did Danny's... Did you feel like you were coercing them? Well, I think or... she just thought I was being bossy by telling them what to do. But I don't know if she didn't like the fact that she thought I was being bossy or if she didn't like the fact that I was talking about Jesus and maybe it was something that wasn't easy for her to do. And so she didn't want to see it in me. But it's like, as a parent, who would want their child to not do that? And when Linda and Danny's mom, you know, when my mom explained, she was like, oh, are you kidding me? I love it. She goes, my kids don't go to church. They're not going to have the ability to go to church anywhere. There is nowhere that they're going to learn this stuff. And she goes, I think it's adorable. And I just remember looking at my mom going, see, I'm fine. Hmm. Like, what's the problem? I didn't get it. And so um, Hmm. it's really kind of hard to look back at my mom and go, I know She wants to know that her kids are saved. She wants to know that her kids are going to be in heaven, but it's almost like she didn't want them to grow past her. And that's really hard to look at a parent and go, wow, why why would you you ever want to stunt someone? Yeah, because as a, (laughs) as a good parent, you always want to see your kids outgrow you. Mm -hmm. And then, but I can look at my ex-husband. He didn't want his kids to outgrow him Mm. and he would do anything he could to hold them back. And so that's a really hard truth to see. And I mean, he wanted to hold me back too. And thankfully the Lord got me out of that mess. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and how does that manifest just in devaluing you or not allowing you to go do the things that you're created to do or the holding back either for the kids or for you? Like what we're, well, one of the other, um, but he can't even probably articulate it. Like, I don't want you to be bigger than, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. They never articulate it that way. But one of the other examples that I can give of, um, as a, well, and I don't know if I really saw this as a gifting on my life as a child. Um, but I remember when I owned my drapier business, there were a number of things that were going on at the time that I just felt like the Lord was being, um, just really being apparent to me that he was answering prayers and answering the desires of my heart through my business. Mm -hmm. And so I got this idea and I'm like, I want to write a book and I want to write a book about this. And so I sat down and I started writing the book. And I was getting chapters down and I'm journaling all this information and putting it on my laptop. And then the day came where I told my ex-husband, Scott, I said, "Um, I really think I'd like to write a book. And he goes, who in the world would want to hear anything you have to say? Wow. And I was like, yeah. Just squelched I was totally deflated in that moment. And so... um, Did you put it away right away? No. I kept writing it. And then one day I got on the computer because I did a little bit every single day. And one day I got on the computer and it was gone. Oh my. And I asked him, I it said, had been erased or yeah, deleted I asked as him, you I went? said, what happened to this file that I had on here? And he goes, well, you know, that just happens sometimes. I'm like, mm, no, it doesn't. So I sat down and I started over mm. and I started back at the beginning and it got to about the same point and it disappeared again. And this happened three times. And then I was like, okay, I'm done. This is a battle. I'm not going to win. 
And, um, so I quit. And then, you know, years later after it was towards the end of my mom's life, um, I, cause I, at that point I didn't want to journal. I didn't want to do anything. It's right. like, why? It's what's, wasted effort. Yeah. What's the point? Affect you. Yeah. And so it was really close to about the time that my mom passed away and I felt the importance of getting out a journal and starting yeah. to journal again. And then I was at a prayer meeting one Tuesday night. This would have been in the fall of 2016. And we were praying for somebody, but in, I mean, I was praying off to the side, but in that moment, the Lord gave me a vision and he gave me a vision of me sitting at home on my couch with my laptop and typing out my story. And so I went home and I'm like, well, Lord, there's only one problem with this. And he said, what's the problem? I said, well, I don't have a laptop. It's like, well, you better ask me for one. Yeah. And so things just started happening. I started praying into it every day. And by February of 2017, I had my laptop yeah. and it was the one that I had been praying for. I prayed for a brand new Apple MacBook Pro. Yeah. And I don't even know why those words came out of my mouth, but wow. that was what I found myself praying for. And so then, um, I have a cousin, Rachel, whose husband works at <laughs> yeah, Apple. Yeah, 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 and yeah. so I just, I talked to him and I said, would you walk me through this sure. and tell me what I need to buy so that when I go to the store, I don't buy something that I'm not looking for. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, cause sometimes with salesmen, they're just looking for the sale. And I thought, I just need somebody to walk me through this. And so he asked me all these questions and walked mm -hmm. through this like whole what process. What would you use it for? Why do you yep. want this? Exactly. What, what do you do? What wouldn't you use? Yep. Oh, okay. And then he goes, well, we've got all these different options, but I actually think the one that would work best for you is an Apple MacBook Pro. And oh, I'm like, wow. well, I could have told you that. That's so good. But anyway, so I got it. And the minute I got it, I'm like, okay, Lord, you held up your end of the bargain. So I will hold up mine. And I sat down and I started typing out my story. And, and that's that what you was did in blog form. Yes, I did that in blog form. Oof. But then since I had blogged it, I've actually completed the fuller story. And the Lord has taken me back through the processes of like, now you need to add some more. You need to add the parts that you didn't blog about. You need to add the, you know, the difficult parts. Or um, are you just like you had self-edited, you know what I mean? Well, and decided not to include and now you're... I think because it was my story and so much of my story involved my marriage and having it be abusive and those kinds of things, I didn't want to say a lot because I didn't want it to seem like a story of revenge. And I didn't want to just badmouth him or the circumstances or whatever. And so once I had blogged everything to what I felt I was willing to share, um, which still didn't put him in an amazing light, but you know, it was, it honest. yeah, it, it was honest enough without really sharing a lot of dark, dirty secrets, I guess, if you will. And then the Lord's like, okay, now you need to go put more in, add more. He goes, this is, this is real. You need to get it out. And so. Because on the other end, there's redemption for someone reading Right. I mean, is that like, what did the Lord show I think you like for other women? Part or? of it. And, um, you know, so that is still in process. I would still love to get it published and I'm, I'm looking at the possibility of self-publishing. Yeah. So support you and celebrate you in that. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I just need, in fact, I've just started going through all the chapters again because it's been a number of years since mm -hmm. I did that. And it's like, okay, I need to just kind of go through and polish it up and just make sure it makes sense the way that it's all put together. But in that, it's like other, I've heard so many other people like, oh, it's so hard to write. And I'm like, no, it really isn't. It's really easy. Mm. I sit down and the words just pour out. And I don't know if that's because it's my story and it's easy yeah. just to retell your story or if it's because there's an anointing on that because I've gotten so many prophetic words about books coming out of me. Yeah. So it's like, I think there's, it's both and. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited about that. 
But also in the meantime, I think one of the things that I learned too that was huge over this past three years is that when I when you look back and you look at being in an abusive marriage for 29 years, you think that a lot of the issues came from that marriage. And not all of them do. Some of them are just right with the person. Well, but also it's like, where did the problems in my marriage stem from? Mm. And a lot of what I experienced in my marriage was the way I was raised. And I know as my cousin and as family, you know, we didn't even know. Yeah, we didn't even know. But a lot of the way that my mom raised me was what I looked for in the normalcy of life. And so when I met my ex-husband, it was like, well, he treats me the same way that she does. Therefore, this is what normal looks like. And so I didn't see that there was anything wrong. The red flags weren't very red. No, they weren't at all. I remember, um, see, my dad got saved when I was six. And my mom prayed for him for 23 years before he got saved. And so before he got saved, he had a lot of anger issues. And that was no surprise to anybody that knew him. But I don't know what that meant for her, for her, because that generation didn't talk about that stuff. And I've asked friends. They're like, well, he was just mean. Well, that could mean a whole lot of things. Right. But I remember when I was little, um, I was out in the garage one day and my oldest brother, Tommy has, you know, he's always been a race car driver. And so he would always had a car in the garage. And since he was 14 years older than me, this goes back as long as I can remember. And so I always wanted to be out there and be in the middle of things, be in the way. And so one day I remember him yelling at me, Annie, go in the house. You're going to get hurt. So of course I ran in the house, mom, Tommy's being mean to me. And she told me, she said, you know what, Annie, when somebody's mean to you, you need to remember that they don't mean it. And all you need to do is close your mouth, turn around, walk away, and take it. Wow. And what I know now is that's the way she dealt with my dad. Mm -hmm. But what she was actually training me to do is to be a victim Mm -hmm. and be silent. So it's really hard to look back and go, oh, a lot of the woundings that I had did not start in my marriage They were carried on through my marriage, but they actually started way before that. And you don't get healing unless you go back to the root. Yeah. You know, and so a lot of my journey has been, you know, walking through those mother wounds and and things, which... And and was that done through schooling as well? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that came up at BSS. Because there's just the identity year, right? I mean, first first year year is your identity Focused on identity. Yep. So a lot of that came out in first year. And I think the thing that's really amazing about it is, um, if you're familiar with um, Sozo's, mm-hmm. which is kind of a Bethel thing, um, it's it's kind of, you know, it's just a counseling session, but... Um, but full healing. Body, yep. soul, spirit. Yep. It's a full word that when Sozo is used, it's, you know, he went walking, leaping, praising yes, God. So exactly. it's the physical healing, the emotional healing, the spiritual healing. Yep. And it's only used a certain amount of times in scripture where it's actually a sozo, where there's uh-huh. this completeness. Yep. So for whatever you know, yeah. people need to know that. Yep, exactly. But when you walk through a sozo, they often talk about how your relationship with your earthly father is reflected in your relationship with the heavenly father. Your relationship to Jesus is reflected in your siblings. relationship with siblings and friends. And your relationship with um, the Holy Spirit is really reflected in your relationship with your mom because a comforter guide friend yep. teacher yeah it yep. makes so much sense yeah so the interesting thing for me is the member of the the trinity that i feel the closest to is holy spirit 
Wow. So it feels like such redemption in that. Yes. Um, for having some pretty poor memories with my mom and for feeling pretty hurt in a lot. Um, and the sessions help you forgive, right? Or at oh, least yeah. release yep. so that you yeah. can then receive. Oh, yeah. There's been so much forgiveness and learning how to forgive. That was huge, too, because so many times people are like, just say the words. Your heart will catch up with you later. Just say the words, I forgive you. It doesn't work like that. Mm. It really doesn't work like mm. that. Um, you have to have the emotion. You have to be able to walk through the hard process. And Chris, do you remember something falling off of you, like when you actually forgave? Or yes. You, uh, like, like how you viewed things differently? Or, I mean, yep. I'm not giving you words. Like, no. What was something? Well, when, um, okay, so I can kind of walk through the process and even you a little Chris, bit. So I didn't mean it That's wrong. okay. So Chris Vallotton, one of the leaders at Bethel, he has a son, Jason, who walked through a divorce. His um, ex-wife had an affair got pregnant by another man, left him with three little kids, left him in a horrible position. Um, they thought he had MS because his body reacted so negatively. He couldn't pick up a coffee cup. He couldn't take a drink. You know, all of this stuff, it just sure. really did a number on him. So they walked through it. They did all the hard stuff. And he came out with a book called The Supernatural Power of Forgiveness. You know what's impo impo interesting? Hmm. Earlier this morning, I was going to make sure we mentioned this book. Okay. And I told him that. That's so good. Well, and he's actually updated it. But so. that was pivotal to you because yes. I remember talking oh, to you during it. It was the most powerful book I read in all three years. Supernatural Power of Forgiveness. Forgiveness. But he has updated it, and now the new title is Winning the War Within. Mm. And so it's it's got all the same basis, but it is phenomenal. So it's by Jason Vallotton, and Chris kind of co-wrote it with him. But he talked about what he did with his ex-wife. And you don't have to have him in the room, you know, this yeah. is because this is not about them. It's about you. Yeah. And, and he said, free. yep. So he said that he sat down, he put his earbuds in, put some soaking music on, and then just had that in the background so that there's no distractions. And he began to run a video in his mind of his wedding day with his wife. And he literally, he walked up to her in, in his mind in this little movie. And he's like, I don't remember. I think maybe her name was Heather or something. He's like, Heather. I forgive you for walking out on me. Heather, I forgive you for walking out on your children. Heather, I forgive you for taking my purity away from me that now I don't have to give to anybody else. Heather, I, and he, he just sat in it and just bawled his way through it and allowed Holy Spirit to bring up whatever came up. And it's like, he's, like he even described, he said, you get to the point where you just, you're at the end. Mm. And the freedom hits, mm -hmm. and you know you've walked through that process with mm -hmm. that person. Because the junk is out. So it's, it's out. It winning is the battle within. Yeah. Exactly. Let's pause a second. If you are enjoying The Real Deal with Rachel Inouye, subscribe, rate, and review it. I appreciate your support. All right. Back to The Real Deal. And so he says, you know, I don't recommend you do this more than twice a week with a different person or whatever, you know, but I, well, you know, I'm the, I'm the self-motivated one. So, I'm going to do everybody I've ever known in my life, any wound I've ever had. Well, if you remember back when we were kids, you'd go into like a diner and they would have a booth and that had this little individual jukebox yeah. that would sit there and you would spin the wheel and choose your song and then you played and you were only supposed to be able to hear it at your booth. But anyway, um, I had a picture of one of those in my mind. And so I went home from school that first day and I'm like, okay, um, I'm like, Lord, and I saw my mom's name come up on the screen. So it's like, I'm going to walk through this with her. And so I did. 
And then kind of some of the same process. Yep, like you did, same process. Anything that Holy Spirit brought up, you know, Mom, I'm, you know, I forgive you for um, crushing the Holy Spirit in me when I was three years old, for not allowing me to evangelize, or for, you know, just whatever it was, all the way through up until the time she died, because we were not in a good relationship when she passed away. And so um, I did all of that, and when I was done, I felt that release. It was like, okay. I'm okay. I can see the good in her. Wow. I can see the bad in her. It's not affecting my heart anymore. Um, do I wish things were different? Absolutely. Are they going to be? She's gone. I don't have that option, but that's okay. And I knew I had dealt with it in yeah. my heart. But the minute that I knew I was done, the it was like the dial switched, and then I saw my dad's name. Oh. And so the next day, I walked through that similar process with my dad, and then it became you know, this brother or that brother or my kids or my ex or family friends that had affected me greatly. And just, and I, I just went through everybody that whose name popped up on that screen. And when I got to the last person, the screen flipped and it was blank. And I'm like, okay, I've done it. Wow. I've done it. So, and I did one person every single day until I had walked through it because it was just so important to me. And I was recognizing how much of a difference it made in me. So I was like, no, I want to keep going. And I realized, you know, mentally and emotionally, was that an easy thing to do? No, it drained me yeah. every single day. And if I was 21, maybe I wouldn't have been able to do one person each day. You know, yeah. being in my 50s, it was a little bit easier because yeah. it was like I, I recognized the importance and the weight of it. But, you know, and I just love that it went blank. It did. So then you knew it went blank. There isn't something sitting here. I don't have a root of bitterness towards someone. I don't right. have somebody else to forgive. I don't need to go talk to the person in my own head or whatever. Exactly. To go do this. Yeah. And I think I've talked to people a little bit about how it's like a sanctified imagination. It's that you can take the very same experience that used to wound and hurt and still you just felt like you were there. Mm -hmm. Now, you know. But you're almost viewing yourself, like let's say trauma happens to someone. Yep. You're almost viewing yourself, but it doesn't have that same visceral response. You yep. don't feel like the uncomfortable sense. Or yep. You don't feel... So it's kind of like God sanctifies the memory of it. Yeah, he really you does. Know, or washes it from it having the same pain. Yeah. It can even be the same circumstance. Yeah. You still see it. it you just don't feel it. Like yeah. Did that happen think, to you? Well, I think sometimes when we think back on relationships with people, we think of all the negative things that happened right, right, because right. that's just naturally what creeps up. Or it, I've heard people actually say the opposite. You know, oh, my husband died and all I have is good memories with him. And it's like, well, for me, it wasn't that way. I had all the negative came up. And so it got to the point where it was like, you know, there was so much negative with my mom, say for an example. And then once I was through, it was like, oh, actually, she did really have a good sense of humor. She mm -hmm. laughed a lot. She teased really well. And it was like the Lord redeeming my memories of her. Wow. And so that really helped a lot. Now, does there ever anything that comes up that I have to go back and forgive her for? Yeah, stuff like that does happen. Mm -hmm. It's not like mm -hmm. it's a one and done, but the lion's share of the work is done. Wow. And it really makes it, it makes a huge difference. So. And that just came up in class, and that just came up as part yeah. of your first year thing, and it yeah. was huge. Like, yeah, that's worth going the whole time. It that's really worth was. Years if you did the work of the hard work of that. Yeah, we were required to read one book a month, and that was one of the books that we were required to read. And then as we were going through the process of the book, Jason actually came in and spoke one day. And so he, you know, gave view to the words that we had seen. 
And so, um, yeah, so that was when that began. So it was pretty early on, but it set me up for yeah. so much sure. else. Sure. Is yeah. there another book that really affected you or is there another person that came because you guys were exposed to oh, a lot of heavy yes. hitters yeah and it doesn't have to mean like the day Wilhart came or the day yeah Randy Clark was there or whatever I'm not looking for that unless I am yeah looking for that is there yeah. somebody else that impacted you so much or some other book I mean you read the whole big thing of John G. Lake oh my gosh that. that was impactful and I think there were a few of his sermons because it was like all of his sermons in this book. And that was our summer reading between first and second year. And I think one of the things that stood out to me the most is he sat and he watched his siblings die one by one by one. And then it was just like some one day something clicked and he's like, wait a minute. My God is bigger than this. This is not supposed to be happening. What's going on? And it was out of his pain that he began to search and go, something has to be better than this. And he was used so powerfully for healing and believing yeah. for things in healing. Yeah. Wow. And I didn't so, even know that background. Yeah. He, I think he was like one of 16 kids or something. And I think over half of them had died by the time he's like, something's wrong. Yeah. No. I don't remember exactly the details, but it was something along those lines. And so that impacted me a lot. Um, I feel like, I mean, there were so many people and I think one of the things that because there's so many encounters at Bethel and people talk about their encounters and, you know, people are, you know, you see the manifestations of the Holy Spirit and people are, you know, rolling on the floor and shaking laughing and all of these things. Or... Yep. And, you know, so many people are chasing after the encounter. Yeah. They want it so badly. But it's and... not mayhem every day either. <laughs> well, in school, it kind of is. In school, it is. It really is. It's more in first year. And then you, you see some of the maturity level coming in is part of it. But some people are just, that's the way the Lord yep. hits them. Yep. And they are that way all three years and yep. it will probably never end yep. for them. But I also think that um, so many people chase after the encounters. I don't want to say that they force it, but sometimes they press it because they think that's what they're looking for. And um, in third year, as being an internship, one of the things that we do is we are student mentors for like first or second year students. And so I have so many first year students that are like, Annie, I just want the encounter. I just want the encounter. And I, and I just, I would tell them over and over, you know what? Don't look for the thunderstorm because if the ground is really dry and it storms for five minutes, it's not going to affect the ground. But if you have a small yeah. soaking rain, it is going to soak into every place and you're so not going to recognize it in the moment. You're not going to mm -hmm. think it hit you. Mm -hmm. But when you look back over your shoulder in another year and mm -hmm. see how far you've come and see all of the soaking grains that you've had, it doesn't have runoff. Yeah. It actually absorbed. It absorbed. And that has been my journey. There has mm -hmm. been so many people that spoke that was like, Oh, one little nugget here or one little nugget there. Um, interestingly enough, there was one day that I got to hear Richard Gordon speak and he's in the environment Amazing. he now heads, um, Bethel school of technology mm -hmm. he's one of the top leaders there. And he was speaking and it was during COVID. And I remember being in the civic auditorium and he got up and he started talking about his mom and he goes, I do not know why I'm talking about my mom. Cause he says, I've never, ever talked about my mom from the pulpit before. And he says, but my mom, he grew up in South Africa and he talked about how his mom was very, very poor growing up and um, grew up in a very dysfunctional family. And he said that his mom didn't want anybody to know about her family 
And so she covered up their poverty. And he said, all the kids that she went to school with had all these uniforms and they would wear a fresh uniform every day. You know, they would have one for every day of the week. And he said, my mom only had one. And he said, so she came home from school every day and she washed her uniform. She dried her uniform. She ironed her uniform so it would look fresh every day because she didn't want the kids at school to know that her family was poor. And, um, you know, so he's telling all of these stories about his mom. And he, you know, at the, at the end, um, which was very typical of Richard, he's like, if you feel the Lord on you, I want you to come forward right yeah. now. Yeah. And his team would come around and lay hands on you because he just can't get to everybody because right. everybody's swarming the front. You've got three and 400 people up there. Yeah. He can't get to everybody. Right. He made a beeline for me and he came up to me and he laid hands on me. He goes, you have got on you what my mama had on her and you need to stop covering up for your family. Wow. And in the moment I'm like, What? what in the world am I covering up? I have been open and honest about everything, you know? And it was like, I didn't even recognize it. And in the course of that week, as I prayed into it, the Lord just started taking me back to flashbacks of things that had happened. I don't mean to cry, but it's like, wow. It's like, I dealt with things that I didn't realize I dealt with. And even... And trying to cover them up or... Yeah. Or I didn't recognize it as being poverty because to me, I was clean. I had clothes to wear. I had my hair cut. I didn't look poor. So I didn't think I was poor. And then I started remembering, you know, meals that I would eat with my mom where it was, um, okay, we're going to have a cup of milk with crushed up saltines in it. And that was dinner night after night after night. Or it was like, well, you know, my dad would get to have a couple of eggs and a fried potato, but we're going to have saltines and crackers because there's not enough to go around. And, and just things like that, that just started to come up. And it's like, life wasn't what I remembered. And it wasn't that I was denying it, but it was like, it was like the Lord just unraveling those layers and going, no, this actually really looked like something. And he's like, how many times did you go visit your grandma and grandpa in Des Moines? I'm like, well, every weekend. He's like, well, what did you always bring home when you visited them? Bags of groceries. Oh, so grandma and grandpa fed you more than your mom and dad fed you. And it's like, oh, they did. And some of these recollections started to come back. Yeah. And they just started to come back. And was it, life-changing in a way of like, I recognized it, therefore it's all gone. No, but it's one of those things where it's like, you have to recognize what you walked through to be able to know when the redemption comes and the victory comes. And it's like, oh, I'm not there anymore. Yeah. Awareness is a start for anything. Yeah. Recognizing and being aware. Yeah. is huge. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you do from there? Yeah. But if you can't be aware or don't recognize. Yeah. There's not a next step. Yeah. And then I think there came a point that, you know, and some of the encounters that I had were actually just a conversation with the Lord while driving in my car. Mm. You know, one day I was driving down the street and all of a sudden it hit me like a ton of bricks. I have been on the defense when it comes to the enemy and it's time to change to the offense. And it's like, wait a minute, what does that even mean? And the Lord's like, so many times... People are just focusing on, let me get through my day. And if the enemy comes and tries to attack me, I'll deal with it. But otherwise, I'm just going to focus on the Lord. And the Lord goes, nope, it's time to chase after that enemy and go take him down. And um, it was so funny because I was um, on a video chat with some friends from back home. And it was a husband and wife. And 
we were chatting and for four hours, you know, <laughs> the talker and me. But um, all of a sudden he looked at me and he goes, Annie, what's your goal in life? You know, and all of these things started swirling through my head. So, you know, I want to work with women in domestic violence. I want to see women set free. I want, you know, all of this stuff. But I opened my mouth and the words that came out were, I just want to kick the enemy in the nuts. And he just, <laughs> yes! he just started laughing and he goes, I see the tattoo now. Annie Davis kicking the enemy in the nuts since 1992. I said, well, that probably isn't going to happen. And then I remembered a... What's since 1992? Maybe? I don't know. It was just that, what he... I didn't know if there was a profound... Yeah. No, not, not that I'm aware of, but, you know, I have thought about that every once in a while because that was when I was in the middle of, of an abusive marriage. Yeah. So, you know... And my kids were born at that point. So, you know, there might be something more to that. I'm mm -hmm, not sure. Mm -hmm. But anyway, and then I remembered a story of my second year revival group pastor, whose name was Paul. And he told a story about how him and his wife were at a, um, I don't know if it was a speaking engagement or something. And a woman came up and prayed over them and, and she prophesied over them. And she goes, I feel like you need to go out and buy a material item, something physical that represents the call of God on your life. And you need to place it in your home. And every time you walk by it, it will remind you of what he has called you to do. And so he talked about doing that. And in that moment, when I said, I want to kick the enemy in the nuts, um, I thought of that. And I'm like, well, what would I get? What would I get? What would I get? And then it hit me. And I remembered as a child at Christmas time, having the wooden bowl of walnuts sitting on the coffee table yeah, with the nutcracker nut and those little picks. And I got onto Amazon and I ordered me a nutcracker. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so I have one of those old school little silver yeah, yeah, nutcrackers yeah, and it sat on my dresser. And every morning when I put on my jewelry, it's like, okay, enemy, I'm coming after you. Yeah. I am going to take you out. Amen. I am here to torment you. You're not Amen. here to torment me. Amen. The, the roles are switched and I am, For sure. I am taking ground on you and I'm going after you. And I think that was a huge mindset change for me in just saying, yeah, why, why am I just sitting in wait yeah. for him? And watching you hit me yeah. or attack me. Yeah. No, I'm coming after you and I will do anything I can to take you down. So good. On behalf of me and my family. Amen. Yeah. And family's really big to you too. Oh, family's big. Family's a, is a huge reason for yeah. the work that God is doing and will continue to do in you. Right. Yep. I mean. Yeah. Yep. Family is my the biggest part of my heart. I mean, that's my goal. And to see other people walk in freedom and health and wholeness in their families. And, uh, yep, yeah, it's going to happen. And you know, there's hard things that have happened in your family for oh, sure. Yeah. And estrangement isn't easy. Nope. It's not. But redemption is real. Yeah. And restoration is real. Yeah. And you'll have those things in your arsenal to carry forward. Yeah. You know, even this past year, the Lord was like, because um, I've been estranged from my oldest son, Levi, for 10 years, which is when my divorce took place. And in that, um, I had a stepson, Eric, who also turned his back on me when I went through my divorce, which I think they were for different reasons for the two of them. But still, it just happened at the same time. And the divorce happened to be the timing of it. But um, uh, there came a point where... Um, in second year, I actually go, got to go on a ministry trip to Minnesota and Wisconsin. Yeah. And, um, the Lord told me before I left, he goes, I want you to minister out of your pain. Mm. And I'm like, well, what in the world does that mean? And he said, go find anybody that has a broken relationship in their family and Amen. pray for them. He goes, because you've got the heart to pray for that. That's right. And I'm like, okay. And I did. And every church that we went to, every place that we had, uh, met up with people, 
I'd be like, if there's anybody here that has a broken relationship with a family member, and somebody always I was came just going to say, I've done it from yep. the stage many times. Always. I'm shocked at how many stand. Yes. It makes me sad. It really does. It and I'm like, well, sad. sad or go after the enemy. Yeah. But when I mean? they just do that, but when they hear the compassion in my voice, because I know what they're feeling, it's yeah. like, wow. And even in April, I led a ministry trip back to Omaha and, um, I got to minister at a church on a Sunday morning and I said, you know, I'm just going to take a shot. Is there anybody here Yeah, that is estranged from a family member? And one lady in the crowd of maybe 50, she raised her hand and she said, hmm, my oldest son. I'm like, doesn't surprise me a bit. I'm like, I want to pray for you. And so there is definitely something in there. Yeah. And I know that reconciliation is coming. Yes. It's been happening to people I know yes, all around me. I and pass that on to you. my son is swirling the drain. He's going down Amen. and it's Amen. going to happen. But um, in the meantime, and it's I going to be better to, than it ever was because God yeah. restores things. And yes. Yeah. yeah. Restoration always looks better than the original. Yep. Always. Always. But that is who he is. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for that for you. I know. And I think that we, uh, in the good way, need to be patient, but we don't need to be patient. We need to keep pressing in about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not like, oh. Yeah, it's coming. So good. So good. Anything else burning? Like, oh, I just, because I have you here. I have you in person. And I mean, is Holy Spirit highlighting anything else? I'm I'm not asking you to bring. No, nope, that's okay. But... Um, the only other thing that that comes up right now for me is one of the things that I know um, is a part of the calling that He has on my life is about voices, and I think that it has actually become one of my what I would call a core message yes. for me. Yes, is that there are so many people out there, and I think the majority of times we think of women. Just like we think about that with abuse, but it's not the only time. There are a lot of men that have been hushed or people that have been hushed. They've been told your voice doesn't matter. Um, Just like with me, who would want to read anything that you would have to say? It's like your voice is shut down. Your voice, you know, be quiet. Children are meant to be seen and not heard. Anything like that, or just, I'm reading the paper, don't bother me now. I'm watching the news, don't bother me now. That is all forms of our voices being hushed. And um, I actually got a prophetic word at the end of first year that said, you are the restorer of voices. Amen. And so every person I have a chance to pray for a voice, I pray for a voice. And change happens. And um, And chains break. Yeah, chains break. Exactly. And so I think that is just something that's really huge and women specifically, but anybody needs to understand if they've ever been hushed, that their voice does matter. Yeah. God created them with a voice. He created them with a voice for a reason. And he wants your voice to be heard. Everybody's voice is important. Your voice is powerful. Your voice is fierce and it's worth listening to. I don't care who you are and doesn't mean you get to abuse your voice or use it to manipulate other people. But your voice matters and it's important. And people need to know that in their identity in Christ that, yeah, they get to be heard. Yeah. Our words create worlds and the voice of the Lord hovers over the waters. The voice is so, it's a still small voice. My my sheep hear my voice. The voice is everywhere in scripture. Yeah. He speaks. He speaks. (laughs) Shameless Shameless plug. Thank you, Annie. (laughs) No, but uh, would you pray? For the voices of mm-hmm. people. I mean, you just basically did, yeah. you know, by saying your voice matters, but pray and then whatever else for the audience on the other end. And then okay. I'll pray for you or for our audience and we'll close. Thank you. Okay. Thank you oh, so much. This is rich. I love we this We could go many different opportunities and di- yeah. different directions, but 
But I think we know. got what God sent you to say. Yeah, I, I, and I never want to hush you. No. So if no, there's I more, know. no, that's okay, fine. Just pray on that. That's awesome. Mm, so Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the way that you love your kids. We thank you that every one of your children matters. It doesn't matter if they have a heart for you or if they spit on your face. You love them and you know that they matter. I thank you for the voice of every person that you have ever created and that their voices do matter. Their voices are worth being heard, that they matter. Mm -hmm. They are worthy. They are worthy of your love. They are worthy of Jesus dying on the cross for them. I thank you, Holy Spirit, and I just ask that you would just encounter every person listening to this podcast, whether it's the first time around or if it's a replay or if it's 15 years down the road, that if they ever feel like their voice has been hushed, that they would recognize that as a lie from the pit of hell, that they have a voice that matters. Their voice is powerful. Yes. Their voice is fierce and it is worth being heard. They don't have to be shut down. Yes. They get to be heard. They get to be listened to. They get to be recognized. They get to be known for what they carry and for who they are. And we just ask for your love upon them and your power to fall on their tongue, that they would recognize that words do create worlds and that what they say matters. And I just also pray that this would not only land with them, that they would be a river and not a mm. lake, that this would flow through them and flow onto other people and that it, they have the power to pray over other people and watch them have their voices restored mm. as well. Oh, Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for every person listening. We thank you for your redemption. Yeah. We thank you. We thank you for your love. And for anybody that's hurting, he is there for you. And he will bring the right people along at the right time, at the right place. He's a father to the fatherless. He's got you. He loves you. He will never let you go. And he will never let you down. I just thank you for the heart of every person. I lift them up to you, Jesus. In your name, amen. 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 God, I too just want to bless the listener. I pray that today they would know that this is uh, an encounter with you just to be able to run across this Real Deal podcast where Annie's sharing her life and her transformation and her story. And God, I thank you that it isn't an accident. So you are hearing this because God loves you. And like she said... Uh, you do have a voice. So I bless your voice. I bless your voice to roar in the name of Jesus. I bless you to go places, do things, say things mm. that maybe have been buried and maybe yeah. are deep within you. But I just bless you today. And I just thank you, God, for each listener. I thank you for Annie, Father. I thank you for mm. who she is. I thank you for the support that she's been to me and so many others, Lord. And I thank you for her heart for family. And you tell us that you put the lonely in families, Lord. And so I pray for our actual family and i also pray for those who will become family too annie in the future mm -hmm. i thank you that she's gathered new people that are part of our family from being out at bssm and i ask god in the name of jesus that there would be a renewed sense of family in her heart and that you as a father 
are never going to leave her. You're never mm-hmm. going to forsake her and that you're providing for her. So, Lord, once again, she's in a time of a transition. But I just bless every step. It is stable in Jesus' name. It is uh, set out that you, God, mm-hmm. would make the valleys filled in and the rough places straight, the mountains be flat, Lord, and the crooked straight in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Would you just put her on the highway of God that she knows that she knows that you're setting up the next encounters the next endeavors the next uh, networking whatever it is god we trust you Mm, and so god i thank you i thank you for what she shared today and i thank you for who she is in jesus name Mm. amen amen Amen. if i can find it i'm just going to pray this thing that my dad used to pray at the very end of the last podcast right before he died said lord we ask for all the people listening we ask that you would help us be the best we can be and we'll thank you in Christ's name. So go, go be the real deal. I celebrate you. You've been listening to The Real Deal with me, Rachel Inouye, helping people celebrate their significance and the genius of God in them. Audio engineering by my husband, Michael Inouye. Thanks, babe. Theme music by Andrew Grace.